0: You may know that I teach a weekly Parsha class here at ICAR in Los Angeles every Thursday at noon uh, Pacific time. You're welcome. Um, we've got folks joining us virtually from places as far away as Japan on on Zoom. And uh, we've been archiving video edits of the classes on YouTube, but we thought we might try cutting down the one hour class to about 40 minutes for you, for the listeners of the Best Book Ever podcast's that might not be able to fit a midday class on Thursday into your schedule. So I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy teaching them. Um, if you're interested to attend the class from wherever you are in the world in person, then stick around at the end of the podcast. I'll tell you how to register. Um, just like the podcast, it's absolutely free and we'd love to have you. All right, hey everybody! Welcome to Parsha Class. Uh, Led Zeppelin, welcoming, uh, welcoming us in. Um, okay, so uh, a couple of announcements before we start. The first is I want to tell anyone who is in the Los Angeles area um, that we're going to have a Hanukkah uh, gathering that I'm very excited about. Rabbi Deborah Sachs Mintz is going to be here, and we're going to do a kind of a big like it's not a concert although she's a musician who's leading it it'll be a great kind of singing circle that she's going to lead and um and if you came to one that we did with Joey Weissenberg, you have a feeling for that style and we're going to do um one uh for the 7th night of Hanukkah so here's uh, the link to that and I invite everybody in the area or come to the area it'll be a it'll be it's it's at the Pico Union Project in downtown LA which is a beautiful building and we're just gonna sort of sing our way through the penultimate night of, of Hanukkah, and it should be meditative, and then we'll you know drink and hang out a little bit afterwards. Okay, so that's one announcement. Um, and then the other announcement is that next week I am um I have a family member who's getting an award, and I'm very proud of her. So I'm going to the award ceremony. Um, but that means I can't come to class. But the great thing about my new kind of operation is that I'm part of this uh, at Hadar. I'm part of this in really incredible f- faculty. I mean, I if you like if you like what I do, I'm like i'm the I'm like the dumbest guy on the totem pole at Hadar. Um, so um, I'm gonna have um next week um a, a great uh, teacher, Rabbi Avi Strasberg, who's actually my supervisor at Hadar. And I'm going to give you a link to her bio here, and she's a great teacher of um, of Torah, and um, in particular has uh, taught a lot of um, of Eish Kodesh of like uh, the 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 Rebbe, um, Rebbe of the Warsaw Ghetto, and, and may bring some of his Torah next week. So we will have class next week. Rabbi Avi Strasberg is teaching for me, and I and I really I highly recommend you come. She's a She's doing. By the way, I'm I'm um sending out these weekly divrei Torah also um and which you know I encourage you to sign up for and I'm sending them out on the weekly parsha and she sends out an essay on every holiday so we're sort of tag teaming on this and uh, nice to tag team on the class as well so anyway those are announcements um let's start learning Torah um okay wh- what we're gonna do today is. Uh, is to take a look at uh, one particular name that we find in the Torah. And it's actually a name that you are probably familiar with, um, even though we don't talk about it very often. And you're probably familiar with it because there's probably a temple in your town with this name. Does anyone have a Temple Bethel in their town? Everybody's got a Temple Bethel in their town, right? Like every city has to have a Reform um, uh, synagogue called Temple Bethel, and actually there's one in LA, there's one in West Hollywood, Temple Bethel, and actually closest to my neighborhood, it's not just, uh, it's very common in reform uh, synagogues, but closer to my neighborhood, there's also um, Bethel Lutheran Church. I think they pronounce it Bethel, right? Just one one word, right? So that's like, it's a, it's a big name. It's a name that um, Christians and Jews have taken often to mark their place of worship. And and why? Why would they take that name? What is so special about that name? Well, we're going to try and figure that out today. But there is an obvious reason why they would take that name. What what does Beth El mean? It's Beit El, which means the house, Beit, of El God. Okay, so the house of God, that's a good name for a synagogue. This is the the house of God. Um, But uh, it's not just a—it's uh, 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 not just a, a, a description, a random description. The name Bethel has uh, roots in the Torah, and uh, they, in a sense, go all the way back to the beginnings of the Jewish story. But they—but it—but it appears um, in this week's parsha in a kind of an interlude that I have usually overlooked. And this year I just noticed it and thought, oh my goodness, what's going on here? So that's what we're gonna to try to figure out. Okay. So let's say a, a blessing and then we'll we'll get into our learning. Okay. Um, I just wanted to do one other thing since I mentioned um, since I mentioned the divre torah, I thought I would just share with you um, in case you wanted to sign up for them. Um, this is, I send these out every week and, um, Rabbi Avi Strasberg, as I said, sends them out too. So chance to, um, get some, some Torah every week if you're interested. Okay. Um, all right. So let's, let's get started here. Beth L. Now, if you're really, uh, like, you know, one of my, one of my true Torah nerds, um, then I, um, then I might ask you, okay, where did we first see Bethel? And we're we we go we go like I'm sure someone knows the answer here. Although it's that's real that's trivia. Um, we're gonna get there, but let's start with where Bethel comes from. Uh, comes up in this week's parsha. This week's parsha is parsha Vayishlach. Vayishlach because um um and he sent is what it means. Jacob sent out messengers to his brother Asav. Uh, and um here's what happens at the beginning of this parsha and um and sort of is is the buildup to this interlude that we're going to that we're going to focus on. Lots of big dramatic things happening in Jacob's life. After 20 years, he finally leaves Padanaram, where he's been staying with his uncle and marrying and reproducing and uh, and uh, and, and, and shepherding and just, you know, living, uh, living life in exile. And now he comes uh, back to the land of Canaan and he encounters, uh, his, br- he is about to encounter his brother Asav, who, uh, is the reason that he fled to begin with because Asav wanted to kill him because he tricked him out of a a blessing and a birthright. The, that, that's, that's the, the, the the famous story um, of Jacob and, and and Asav. Jacob wrestles with an angel. Jacob uh, meets his brother. They have some kind of reckon. They hug and kiss. Lots going on. Then Jacob goes to the city of Shem. Okay, we'll just we'll name some of the cities because we're going to do a little bit of where is this? The city of Shem, and um, there. Uh, has a terrible family tragedy where his daughter is assaulted and uh pr- presumably raped by one of the um, the local leaders prince of of the town and it's a it's sort of a double tragedy because his daughter is raped and then his sons take revenge by slaughtering every male in the town so it's just i mean this is this is the scene when the all of this drama tragic and hopeful and every just his life it could not be more intense and more stressful as he's heading back um into the land of 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 Israel of Canaan and it is when uh he you know we we close the episode of Dina's assault that and I say assault not just as a euphemism, but it's unclear what the word means. Did was she raped? Was she tortured? Was she injured? Was she? But Dina is, is clearly assaulted. Um, at, at that point, when that episode has closed, suddenly God announces to Jacob, It's time to go back to Bethel. Okay, time to go back to Bethel. So that's where we're going to start. Let's take a look at this scene and. Um, as you'll soon see, I was like I said. This is a scene that I have not paid much attention to over the years. Okay, here we go. Um, okay, God, El God said to Jacob, "Kum Ale Beit El. Get up and go. Arise and go up to Beit El, Veshevsham, and 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 remain there. And build an altar there." to the God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother, Asav. Okay? That's the that's the word from God. Go back um, to, and it's kind of God speaking in third person here. Appear to the God, presumably that's me, who appeared to you, but especially when was it when you were fleeing from your brother, Asav? Okay. So, and now here things things start to get a little... A little strange right away like what do we make of this next line so jacob said to his household and to all who are with him rid yourselves of the foreign gods in your midst purify yourselves and change your clothes okay hasiru et elokei haneichar uh, it shouldn't be elok, actually that's <laughs> it should be elohei haneichar we change the the sound when it's the name of god but this is foreign god so it's not like it's just the, the lowercase god we shouldn't uh, this should actually is a is a mistake asher now wow what does this mean they have foreign gods in their. he's talking to his people so what foreign gods do they have that's a little strange now we do have one hint of what that might be because when Jacob and uh, was leaving um his uncle um and father-in-law um uh comes and 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 reach, and catches up with him and says why are you fleeing from me and he searches the the their camp to see if anything has been taken and it says that Rachel was sitting on the trufim the little idols that she had taken from from her home so there is a little, it's not just completely random, but it's a very strange thing for us to hear that Jacob's telling his people, okay, get rid of all the idolatry in our camp. Isn't this Jacob? Isn't this Israel? Like, so that's strange already. And then the other very strange thing that happens, okay, then he says, he repeats sort of the language that God gives him, let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will build an altar there to the god who answered me in the day of my distress who has been with me wherever i have gone okay that's very that's basically the same language god says arise and go up let us arise and go up so let's do it god says to build an altar i will build an altar and to the god who appeared to me to the god who answered me slightly different language there but basically the same idea okay they gave to jacob all the foreign gods that they had and all the rings that were in their ears like their jewelry and their idols, strange. And this, (laughs) I keep saying strange, but this just keeps getting stranger. And Jacob buried them under the terebinth, under the oak tree that was near Shechem. Terebinth is like such an unused word that I'm just gonna change it to oak, oak, under the oak tree. And we're never sure how to translate um, alone anyway. Okay, so. Um, Jacob buried them all the idols now all the commentators kind of freak out because you're supposed to destroy idols how could he just bury them oh it must be that they weren't really idols or maybe they had lost their idolic charge so uh, this is already confusing to our um, to our rabbis what's going on he buried them underneath the tree as if somehow like keeping them there or hiding them there it's a very strange Thing. and then i'm just going to say this one more time the next the next line is strange as well um, and then as they set out <speaking in Hebrew> as they set out a terror from god fell on the city's roundabout so that they did not pursue the sons of jacob some kind of like what is this a terror some kind of Howling, uh, terrifying force is surrounding Jacob so that he has safe passage. Okay. Okay, now let's go to to Bethel, or as it is in Hebrew, Beit El. And here it is in the Hebrew, Beit El, the house of God. Okay. Thus, Jacob came to Luz, that is Beit El, in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him, and there he built an altar. And named the site, and here things get really weird. And this is basically where I want to start digging in. He named the site El Beit El. Now that almost that sounds almost like a like Dr. Seuss. El Beit El. So if Beit El means the house of God, what does El Beit El mean? El Beit El means the God of the house of God. And he named the, not the God, but the place, the God of the house of God. Okay. So it's a little like things are getting kind of tongue twisted here because it was there that God had been revealed to him when he was fleeing from his brother. And then there's another little interlude here that I think we're not going to deal with, but I'll mention it. Deborah, Rebecca's nurse died and was buried under the oak below Beit El. So it was named Alon Bachut. This is also uh, a strange interlude. And she's also buried underneath the tree. So uh, lots of like lots of lots of lots of stuff going on here that it's that that it's not so easy to make sense of. But let's just start with the basic movement. Going back to Bethel, going back to Bethel. What what what's why why is Jacob going back? Why would Jacob at this moment? Let's just given the information we've currently put on the table. Everything that's happened to Jacob so far, all of the 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 tragedy and the triumph in Jacob's um, long journey back home, and all of a sudden God says it's time to go back to Bethel. You got to go back to the place, and we know something about it. Maybe now we already remember where where we're talking about, but it's the place where God appeared to Jacob when when Jacob was fleeing from his brother. So what what do we have so far? What, what's Why would we go back to that place? Anyone have it? Anyone want to make the connection for us? Noah.
1: Well, well what immediately comes to mind is when Yaakov named the place Beit Elohim in Vayetze and he had the dream with the angels going up and down the ladder and going back there, it's like that, First step for him in becoming the father of the nation that he's being protected and led by God.
0: Great. Okay, great. So Noah does the work um that for us that I that I I want. I, you know, I don't want to just throw the answers at us. This is part of what it means to study Parsha, is that when we see a reference like this, we should be thinking, where do we see that before? Where do we see that before? And especially sometimes we just try to remember parallel language, but here it's explicit. God is saying, go back to the other scene. And, and so Noah remembers what that scene is. And so we'll follow we'll follow Noah's lead and go back and take a look at that other scene. And Noah's right. It's the place where Jacob had his dream of the ladder, famous Jacob's ladder dream. So let's take a look at that for a second because we'll soon see that it's a direct parallel. OK, it's a direct parallel in all of the language, um, though, the, though there are, uh, as as Noah said, there are some there's some extra language there. But this is our this is our main point of comparison as we begin to think about um, Bethel. This will give us some. Uh, I asked the question, why is God? Why is God ordering this? We may have no idea. But once we see what happened, we'll be able to draw more connections. So let's take a look here. We're going to come back to this text. We're in Genesis chapter 35. We're going to come back to that. But let's go take a look where uh, Noah pointed us back in Genesis chapter 28. This was last week's partial when Jacob was just leaving and he left 'er Beersheba and set out for Haran and he came upon a certain place and stopped there for the night for the sun had set taking one of the stones of that place. He put it under his head. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but he had a dream and angels going up and down the ladder, up and down the ladder, and God promises to be with him wherever he goes and protect him and will not leave him until um, I bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised to you. Okay, that's significant. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, and this is kind of famous exclamation here, um, uh, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, "A God is in this place, and I did not did not know it. And um and shaken, he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. Now, Noah said this. And it's, it, it's true, but it's, a, it's a little, I want you to just pay attention because it's a little tricky. The language that Jacob uses originally is bait Elohim, Beit Elohim, which is the word that we use for God in this tradition, Elohim, um, but he ends up calling it bait El, a shortened version. Early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a monument and poured oil on the top of it. And he named the site Beit El. But previously, the name of the city had been Luz. Okay, we saw that before as well, right? We saw that before as well. Where is this? Oh, we haven't, we, sorry, we haven't seen that yet. Um, but previously, uh, the name of the city had been Luz. Jacob then made a vow saying, if God remains with me, protecting me on this journey that I'm making and giving me bread to eat and clothing to wear, and I return safe to my father's house, God will be a God to me. This is a strange moment. A lot of our commentators are confused. What is Jacob makes a vow saying, if God does all these things for me, then God will be a God to me. Sounds like if not, I'm not interested, which is a little surprising uh, coming from one of the forefathers. And this stone, which, okay, now this is the last line that we'll need before we really get into it. And this stone, remember, he set up a stone as a monument. This stone, which I have set up as a monument, this shall be the house of God. And all that you give me, I will set aside a tithe for you. Okay. Now that's strange enough in itself. Jacob's had this incredible experience. And he says, this must be the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. Unbelievable. I had no idea. And I'll tell you what, if God, you protect me, then, and and I make it back safely, then I, you will be a God to me. And I set up this stone and this stone is the house of God. Now I could just start there. What does it mean? This stone is the house of God, but let's just take the broader question and ask, okay, now that we've seen what happened to Jacob, then why does God want Jacob going back there now? Okay.
2: It's a totally different person, the then and the now. Jacob was homeless and desperate, with uh, so it makes sense to me that he asked, please provide food, shelter, and clothing for me. In the now, he's a very wealthy man with practically everything that somebody... God made good on his original promise. He's not, for me, he's not asking Jacob to go back. He's asking him to go up, arise, go up to, I mean, you've matured, but not enough to guide your sons to not killing everybody and looting after you've killed all the males in Shechem. So now you might need to go up. Ah, okay. The next level.
0: Okay, so Leah suggests, sort of, just delicately suggests two possibilities here. Um, one is that there's a kind of um, it's a return to this place, as a almost as a way of remembering how far Jacob has come, how much has changed how different everything is. And we do that sometimes, you know, like you go back to your old elementary school and you just, there's something about being in that place. You remember who you were then and who you are now. And the experience of that just as a touch point has a kind of psychic impact. That's, that's, we we can imagine in this kind of journey that God might want Jacob to touch back. Remember who you were then and who you are now. But Leah also says, and who jacob is now is not entirely different they're still scheming there's still um um there's still an element to jacob's way of living that is that perhaps you, maybe you need further elevation maybe you're maybe you need to go back and remember wh- what what we were trying to do here so that the return to beth el can be an experience of look at look at how far i've come or it can be it can be a kind of reminder of how I still have not gotten all the way there. Okay, so a little this idea of retur- of 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 touching ba- base with myself twenty years ago can cut either way. So let's continue to think about that. Matt Silverstein.
1: Um, I put a link in. There's an essay that suggests that Bethel was an old God, it's a name of an old God, and that, and I, I almost think what we're seeing here is an another place that is an argument for monotheism. It's an argument for the people who still worship, maybe they worship Elohim, but they also worship others and saying, let's leave them away, let's tell the story to go someplace else, um, to 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 go to monotheism, oh God! I just had something that dropped out of my head. Maybe it'll appear in ten seconds. But I think, you know, because it's a the the rock is a pillar, is a is a monument to a god, and and we've got that, but we've got this other. Oh, that's right. And the other thing, Jacob saying, if you do this stuff for me, that's the reverse of what God says. God constantly saying, "I did these things for you, worship me," and J- Jacob saying, "If you do these things for me, I'll worship you." So again, it's it's an argument for adopting monotheism. It's an argument for adopting Elohim as your God.
0: Okay, good. All right. So uh, Matt, uh, uh, very as 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 often as he often does very uh helpfully brings in some historical context or at least some historical theories and let's in a in a simple way, we won't be able to do all of the uh, kind of archaeological review here, but let's just name some of the reference points that 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 Matt is is suggesting. so as th- there is um um record of a god of the ancient Near East. Named El, just L. And we, you know, we in the Torah, we use that word just as a word to mean God. Um, and in fact, in the Torah, we are very particular. The first usage of the word God is Elohim, which is a kind of plural version, which is, but we use it as a singular. So our word for God, very polemically, is like a word that means all of the gods are our God, all the gods together. There's a God above God. There's all the forces of the world are one force. Okay. So L just as a singular word, maybe a reference to just like the concept of God, but it also may reference a kind of a kind of particular understanding of God, or even maybe an idolatrous reference to God and And the more so if there's a God called Bethel, right? So maybe um, a God that in some other language doesn't mean the house of God, but that's the name of God. Okay. I know this is confusing, but the reason that this is important and and Matt frames it in this way is that look at all of the, 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 the worry that there is, that Jacob is still carrying idolatry with him okay, that Jacob hasn't actually um, arrived at, ascended to, to use um, Leah's language, gone up and ascended to the understanding of God, the level of God, the relationship with God that we would want or expect of our patriarch. And that, just to add one more kind of layer to this, maybe we worried that all along. Maybe when Jacob was, and I think Matt was going there, when when Jacob was making these deals with God, where Jacob says, "I'll tell you what, maybe you can be my God," and we're all a, a little, you know, the tradition is a little bit put off by that. Is Jacob? He's it's conditional. So, so all of that suggests maybe Jacob di- didn't know God as deeply as 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 he might have didn't know the God that the Torah is really trying to introduce us to. And though Jacob had a kind of a revelation, there's something he didn't understand. There's something that still needed to be tested. And so maybe the return to, to Bethel is a kind of a, a, an, a, a, a mandate to reencounter God, to deepen his understanding of a God, to get to a place of some greater, purer, relationship with God because remember Jacob has been in a foreign land living in the, in in Aram for the last 20 years and maybe wasn't so um maybe maybe had assimilated in all kinds of ways maybe that's why his camp has all kinds of idols hanging around okay so this is like very provocative stuff to say about Jacob but you can see how the the frame of these two scenes and um, as as and and the 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 additional kind of backdrop that Matt provides us that maybe there are other names of God floating around here and part of what Jacob is trying to do is sift through and to understand what's the God of the Torah what God are, are we actually making a covenant with okay great so thank you for all of that um, let's keep going Yonatan oh Yonatan is like I'm catching him like building here <laughs> this is a great view
3: yes you're you're catching me stretching a deer height. Sorry. Oh my goodness! Um, for
0: what? For what purpose? Tell us all. For
3: of course.
0: Okay. Great.
3: Oh, it's um. This Look at is, that. Uh, I want to say this is from Joshua the deer. Found him his roadkill, and um, that was a few weeks ago. Now he's fully tanned and just has to dry, and I have to sand him, and then we can write the words of God on him.
0: Yonatan has involved this really remarkable project of using. It sounds it sounds so like gruesome, but it's actually very holy of using roadkill for sacred writing, so that animals don't have to be killed for it. So just a, a salute to that to that project. But please, your thoughts on the parsha?
3: Sorry, but I could not hear you over the sound of the garage closing, which I which I had to close. Um, I, I, I trust that everything you said was great. Um, it was. It was I, so great. To build, well, thank you. I'm very touched. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I want to build on what Leah said as far as like Jacob's personal growth. God has a kind of fork in the road moment also where <clears throat> for a while, God was looking after Jacob out of obligation because God made a promise. I'll look after you until you come back to this place. And so, him coming back to this place so that there could be a relationship built out of intention and holiness rather than just obligation was a really important development in his relationship with God.
0: Good, good, okay. So, the, all right, so that's the way that Yonatan puts it, in, in some ways, takes us to the most precise and and simplest cleanest answer which is that there is some kind of pledge that has that that is left hanging and so part of what jacob is going back to do is to make good on a promise right that's pretty straightforward jacob said if you do all these things which you know maybe we we worried he was being a little too uh, presumptuous but Um, God said, I will protect you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land. And I'm not going to leave you until I've done what I've promised. And Jacob says, okay, if you protect me and give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, and, and I return safe to my father's house, that's where Jacob's headed now, back to his father's house, then you will be a God to me, right? And then this stone, which I've set up, will be the house of God. So, it's sort of like Jacob's like set up this stone, but it's not the house of God yet. It's like Jacob's saying, I will make this a monument to you. I will come back and I will pay tribute to you. But I, that's that's just been hanging there in the air for 20 years. So when God says, you know, go back and um, go back and and, and get, get back to Bethel and build an altar to the God who appeared to you, God is just saying, "New, no, like, all right, I think I think I I did my part. Now it's time for you to, okay. And and now I want to kind of trail off. Now it's time for you to, like Yonatan's answer, uh, is very precise. But in some ways, just what else is there to say? To go back and just say, "Yep, you sure are a god to me." What what is what is what does God get from Jacob going back and? Ta-da! I I agree. I acknowledge, right? So that there's something there that I I want a little more sense of what was so important. What did what did Jacob pay back there at the end towards a close? Here, Irene is is doing a great job of kind of 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 bringing all of this together because whatever else, whatever other significance we might we might assign to Jacob's time in Aram, it feels a little bit like a like a, a a break, a long hiatus from Jacob's covenantal destiny, right? Like what is the covenant about? The covenant is about having a special relationship with God and being on this land from the start. That's what, that's what God is saying to Abraham and then Isaac. And then presumably Jacob, but Jacob has to leave all that and is in another setting entirely for 20 years. Now there's, there are things that happen there. There's meaning to that, but there is a way in which Jacob is kind of off track or or out of the covenant for 20 years. And so this return to the land is like it's a return, it's like it's a a, 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 a return to the role that Jacob was always destined to play, but has not been playing, okay? So Jacob's been in exile and he's reclaiming the land, the God, the whole covenant Jacob is reclaiming at this point. And that's significant, of course, because Jacob's doing this in a particular way in his life. But of course, in the story of the Jewish people, there will be another great period in exile that eventually will be be concluded with God's kind of call to come back to to the land okay and to rebuild the house of god so there's something in this like return to the house of god return to the land that is setting the stages for a larger uh, cycle of exile and return and as irene puts it it's a kind of it's a it's a reclaiming of this covenant that that has been was jacob fulfilling the covenant in 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 aram or was he just sort of on on hiatus, you know? And that's that's one way to think about this this period in in Jacob's life and this return to becoming the person that that he was destined to be. Okay. With that in mind, I want to I want to just um, before we close, note one other uh, uh, reference to Beit El, um, and and you know now that we've spoken about Jacob inheriting the covenant that Abraham inherited. Um, it is true, actually, that Bethel was mentioned once before, very early on, in the first chapter of the Abraham story. Take a look at this. Abraham, uh, let's see, passed through the land, right? God said, Lech lecha, and Abraham went, and, and he wasn't Abraham then, he was just Avram, and he passed through the land as far as the site of Shem. that's where um, Dina was raped. Okay, so Jacob's just come from there. At the Terebinth, there's that oak tree again of Moray. And the Canaanites were then in the land. And God appeared to Avram and said, I will assign this land to your offspring. Very familiar. And he built an altar there to God who had appeared to him. And from there, he moved on to the hill country east of Beit El and pitched his tent with Beit El on the west and Ai on the east. And he built there an altar to God and invoked God by name. Okay, all very familiar stuff, but look, Beit El is already a place that Abraham knows of. Now, I don't know, like the commentators go crazy trying to figure out, is it all the same Beit El? Did did Abraham name the place Beit El? Is Jacob just naming it when he gets there or does he name it after? Like, how do we string all these things together? I don't think we have time to work all that out today, but I will just say that there is, you can see here, there's a a history at, at Beit El, and it's a history that goes back to Abraham. And what did Abraham do at Betel? He built an altar and he called God by name, okay? And what is God asking Jacob to, to go do now? Is to build an altar and to worship God at Betel. That is not what Jacob did originally, okay? Jacob did not, he had the dream. He said, this is amazing, this is the portal to God. And then he set a stone there to remember it and left. Okay. I'm not saying he did the wrong thing. I don't even know how to judge the, the sequence of events in Jacob's life, but there is something unfulfilled in Jacob's first encounter with Bethel. He doesn't build an altar. He doesn't really turn it into a house of God as Abraham seemingly once did. And so this fits very nicely into, into what we've what we've been saying. And so Jacob wasn't... He wasn't there yet. He wasn't at the level of Abraham and maybe not at the level of Isaac. He, he wasn't ready to worship at the house of God. And even though his 20 years sojourn is a kind of hiatus, is a chaotic kind of time off of the covenant, there's another way in which it's only now, only now that he's actually ready to enter the covenant. Because remember who he was then. He was a man who was fleeing from a brother and a father that he had tricked and 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 manipulated and he was just a young punk right and yet he had certain spiritual gifts capacities a spiritual destiny he could he could dream of God he could speak to God in his dreams but somehow it wasn't he wasn't able to fully actualize the covenant and it isn't until everything he's been through the struggle, the triumph, and the trauma that Jacob somehow has gotten to a place where he is matured enough, or as Jen said, he has built enough of a community around him as well that he's ready to go back to that house of God. So I think with that, we'll end here. And I wish you all a Shabbat Shalom. And I'll, uh, I will not see you next week. Rabbi Avi Strasberg will see you next week. And she's really special. I recommend you come. I'll see you. Shabbat Shalom. Okay, that's it a taste of our weekly Parsha class. Uh, I want to thank everyone who came to the class, some of whose voices you may have heard today, uh, some you didn't because the podcast has been edited. So just want to thank everybody. Um, And speaking of editing, I want to thank also our uh, editor, Vera Blossom, for her great work. If you'd like to join our class sometime and come and and join our our circle of of Torah geeks, you can find us, uh, again, Thursdays, 12 p.m., online at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And, uh, and if you go to the calendar, uh, then you can find a Zoom link and just click in. And, um, and in the section uh, on the website uh, that, that uh, we keep our classes, you can, if you click on Parsha Study, you'll find all of our archived classes and source sheets and everything we discuss there. So if you're looking for a regular Parsha class, I'd love to see you. Um, and uh, and in the meantime I will talk to you next